Hello, and welcome to the Keepers of the Flame podcast. This is a show to shine a light into the darkness, to empower women, their support networks, and our communities to weather breast cancer, because together we weather the storm. But on this ocean, every wave brings you closer to home. Hello and welcome back to Keepers of the Flame podcast, where together we weather the storm. I'm Joyce Williams, your host, and this is episode number three. This is part two of Battling Breast Cancer, a family and friend affair. In our previous episode, we had part one of Battling Breast Cancer, and we focused on the family aspect. How is breast cancer viewed through the eyes of our spouse, our parents, and our kids? In today's episode, we're going to be looking at it through the angle of our friends and of our communities. You've heard me say a lot that together we will weather this storm, and that could not be more true because the thing is, is when you're diagnosed with breast cancer, it affects not just you, but all those that are close to you, your family and your friends. And what's more is that when you're going through something like this, You don't have to do it alone either. So today we're going to talk about how the community can rally around you, as well as how does it affect your friends. We'll talk about some things that our friends and our community have done that have been helpful and supportive. And then we'll also have later on in the episode, we're going to hear straight from one of those friends. I have with me one of my personal friends and we're going to hear about how breast cancer affected her when she had to watch her friend go through it, what was going on in her own mind and her heart, and how was breast cancer therefore seen through her eyes. But first, let's take a look at it through the community as a whole's perspective. My neighborhood does something pretty incredible every December they do a it's called a light the night parade and it's a golf cart parade everybody will decorate their golf carts and then and it's it's a big fundraiser like you you know have this entry fee and there's a bake sale and they I mean it's just this big event and every year they pick somebody in the neighborhood who's going through some kind of adversity and they pick that person to sponsor and all the proceeds go to them This year, I got a phone call and they said that they wanted to support me. Extended family and friends were incredibly supportive as well. Here's here's the trick for those of you that are the loved one, that has somebody going through a cancer diagnosis. The best thing to do is something. Just do something. Let them know that you love and you support them. It could be a phone call or a letter. I had a friend that would write me a letter every week and just getting that in the mail lifted my spirits. Sometimes when life gets hard or people are going through something difficult, people don't know what to say. So then they don't say anything. Don't do that. Say something. Be there. You can read about the top five things that loved ones can do to help on our webpage, togetherweweather.org. Some of them include setting up your loved one with a meal train or cleaning their house 
or a ponytail fund if they have to have a mastectomy done prior to having chemo because after surgery, you can't reach or wash your own hair. So having somebody do that is incredibly helpful. And like I said, even if you don't do that, just something. It's those small gestures that have a huge impact. Although there were many, many things that my family and friends did for me to help foster hope, I want to share two of them with you now. You see, when I was going through treatment, I used to joke about how when I was done, I was going to take a baseball bat to the bell and that security was probably going to have to drag me away because I'd still be beating the crap out of it. And I reasoned that that was okay because when I was ringing the bell, that was just giving angels wings, right? I mean, if it was set on It's a Wonderful Life, then surely it must have been true. So I joked about how that was going to be okay because I was just really helping, helping the angels up in heaven get their wings. One of my friends sent me my very own silver bell and it was engraved with It's a Wonderful Life. And that little token meant so much to me. And I rung that bell every single day that I could just to spread a little bit of hope and to to make myself feel better. Another day, I was driving along in the car. I was having a really hard time, an emotional low that actually hit me pretty much like clockwork after each round of chemo. At any rate, I was having a hard time this day and then a song comes on the radio. It was Randy Travis's song about three wooden crosses. And I let the lines in the song, I guess it's not what you take when you leave this world behind you. It's what you leave behind you when you go. I let those lines sink in and I realized, okay, well, I don't have control over when my time comes. I'd like to live to 95, but ultimately none of us have control over that final time. I let those lines sink in and thought, well, what can I control? What do I want to leave behind? That I can focus on. And I thought, you know, if each individual act of kindness is like its own snowflake, unique in its own beauty, then if I were to increase my acts of kindness, if I were to increase these snowflakes, then we would see the snow. And so kind of a metaphor, I thought, you know, I want to leave behind snow And that just picked me up and I thought, all right, let's do it. And I started focusing on those things. And something that my friend, another friend gave to me that spoke volumes and I value tremendously. She got me a snow globe with two little cardinals on it with the word joy. And so I can see that snow any and every day and not forget, not to forget that that is my goal, that that's my purpose. And the fact that my friend just took a moment and found something that spoke to me, it made made all the difference. Another friend of mine sent me a letter in the mail and it was just her words of encouragement that helped. She said that although that I might not always see it, that I was a rock to so many, that I was somehow a role model. And yeah, she was right, I didn't see it. I felt more like a broken lamp. When I was a kid, my brother and our good friend and I, we had had this huge pillow fight. Long story short, we the pillow was not caught and sailed into a porcelain lamp, which crashed onto the floor. 
This was a family heirloom, so our little hearts stopped when we thought we were about ready to die because we broke this this heirloom. So we tried to put it together, and the elementary engineers that we were first tried to put it together with scotch tape. Well, scotch tape did not mend this porcelain lamp. So then we stepped it up and brought up our next elementary school adhesive into the mix here and grabbed the Elmer's glue. Well, Elmer's glue and scotch tape do not fix a broken porcelain lamp, folks. It just doesn't work. Well, bringing this back to my friend's comment when she thought that I was so strong to so many people, I didn't feel that way. I felt like this broken porcelain lamp that was wobbling and sagging with scotch tape and icky sticky glue all over it. But as far as the the lamp story goes, my mom came home and she ended up fixing it. Years later, we still have the lamp and it works. And I thought, you know, okay, well, I guess... Maybe I might feel like the wobbly, sagging, broken lamp, but I'll shine my light in a room again one day too. Just like the lamp got mended, I'll mend too. And so my friend's message to me struck a chord and let me know that, yes, okay, I might not feel like this right now, but I'm going to keep pushing forward. And one day I will have that light shining again. It's those small things that sometimes matter so much. So for the friends and family out there, don't do nothing. Do something. My neighbors, my, my friends, my family, and those that lived around me, some of them knew me and some of them didn't. They were all there supporting me. And that just made me feel loved and valued. So I made another promise that when they saw me at my lowest of lows, that it wasn't the end, that it was only going to be the beginning. What my husband and I decided we were going to do is we were going to take all of the proceeds and we were going to pay it forward. So I found a local charity, the Susan Komen Coastal Georgia Foundation, which has programs and grants that take mammogram vans into low-income areas so that they can get screened so that other women could hear the words treatable and curable. My pain, my experience would not be for nothing. And my story wouldn't end with me. We could take the pain that I had and the love that people showed for me and push it forward and help that next person. I have with me here today one of my besties, Michelle, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about some of the things that she did that were helpful for me, but she's also going to give us some insight as to how breast cancer is viewed through our friend's eyes. Okay, I've heard stories about how when life gets hard, some friends don't know what to say or what to do, so they'll kind of just disappear because they don't know what to do. But you didn't. You totally stepped it up, and you took the lead on organizing some amazing stuff for not just me, but for our other friend as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of those things that you that you did for us. Um, well, I guess my mindset on it was... You know, what would I want if I was in that situation? And, you know, everybody's different, but I guess the main thing I was thinking about was, of course, how can I help and what would be most helpful for me? And then there's always lots of resources for things like a meal train. That's always what everybody kind of assumes. Um, And it is extremely helpful, but I also think it's something you need to ask first because some people, you know, they might not want that they might not want you to impose you know or anything like that so I was trying to think kind of outside the box 
that's kind of how I got to having someone come to clean your house. I know that would be what I would want. Which, by the way, <laughs> the things that you did, both both the meal train and having somebody come and clean our house for us, made the top five. The top yeah. five things that loved ones could do to help. Like, they were right up there. I know we went running before, yeah. and you joked. You're like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm just the friend. And I'm like, yeah. but you are the friend <laughs> who has done so many amazing things. Well, and- I just feel like... What would I want if I was in that situation? And apparently, as you say this, you shouldn't be my friend because I'm <laughs> surrounded by bad news. No. Um, and so I'm very, you know, I, I, there's always questions like, you know, a lot of people I think could shy away from it because of this and they don't want to, you know, they could feel guilty and things like that. But I'm just the kind of person where I really, you know, I want to try and help people. I want to make it better. And so that kind of is how I came to like saying we should get the house clean because I know if it were me I would want that probably more than food well and I can't tell you how how helpful that was because after I had my surgery I wasn't able to actually move so I couldn't clean the house even if I wanted to and then for those that have chemo and I know that happened to me as well like you have to have the house clean you don't want to get sick so having that done was definitely helpful I mean, who doesn't want their house cleaned? (laughs) Right, right. So you were with me the day that I got the call that I had masses. We didn't know at that point in time what it was, but we knew that something was up and I had to go and have more tests done. And then later that summer, about a week or two weeks later or something, after I, I had done the biopsy, I got the phone call while I was at my family's house and I either called or texted you. I don't remember. I don't remember which. But when you first found out from a friend's perspective, what emotions did you have in the beginning and how did those change throughout the whole journey? Just trying to put myself back there. I'm trying to remember. And I think the thing that sticks out to me most is just trying to be emotionally there. Um, I can't wrap my head around it because I've never been through it. So that's kind of hard. But to kind of be able to put that aside and realize, you know, yes, maybe I can't understand firsthand exactly what they're going through, but how can I? How can I help you? How can I help you mentally? How can I help you emotionally? And even physically, because I know you have children, obviously. Our kids are friends. And so, and I know you, you know, you're a great mom. Your first thought a lot of times is, well, how's this going to affect the kids? Things like that. And so just trying to be there to be like, you know what, that's not something you need to worry about. You need to take care of yourself and try and help you to make yourself a priority to take care of yourself and get through this and recover from it afterwards and stuff like that. So that's kind of where my mind was. Yeah. I remember you set up the meal train for us and one of the first days after I had come home from surgery your mom actually had come by and I will never forget there were two things that she told me I was telling her about how first of all she made me laugh because I was telling her about how there was um, a micromet that had made it to the lymph nodes and Mm -hmm. the micromet was one millimeter in size and they had explained to me that it was about the size of a period on a sheet of paper Mm -hmm. and your mom without missing a beat said well what size font are they talking (laughs) I was like that is genius and I laughed for a good minute over that I thought it was perfect timing but I was also concerned about um, losing my hair you talked about being there for Mm -hmm. me emotionally and when I found out that I needed chemo and that I was going to lose my hair, 
for some crazy reason that bothered me more than losing my breasts and I was really afraid about that and when I confided in your mom she told me what a beautiful lesson that that would be for my girls like they'd have an opportunity at an early age to learn compassion for those that might be different from them and I I really appreciated that and then probably within a couple of days or a week or so I had had my chemo and I knew it was gonna come out so we went ahead and had my my hair shaved and you talk about being there emotionally um, you were such a great friend you came with me and when I'm starting to ball my eyes out in the middle of having my head shaved you held my hand so from your eyes how did that how did that experience happen happen in your mind you know what's funny now that you mentioned it that kind of I kind of forgot about that but now that you mention it that's probably the most emotional time for me as your friend was when I went with you to get your hair cut um because I knew I mean I'm a, I'm a woman too that would be the hardest thing for me I would rather lose my breasts than my hair as well because I feel like it's just such an outward sign to the world like you know people have fake breasts you know things like that because of different reasons and you can kind of hide it you can wear shirts it doesn't you know it doesn't really it can be hidden to be whatever you want it to be but your hair you can't really hide that and I just remember being there and wanting to be there because I just knew how hard that would be because I knew that would be very emotional for me as well and um to see it happen and to see you know you go in willingly not waiting um it's very you you're very much a go-getter so I wasn't really surprised by that but to see you actually in there willingly going in to get your hair cut and not just cut but shaved and to see it it was really beautiful honestly because it was just something where you it was kind of kick ass you were just kind of like you know what like it's screw this this is what's happening to me and I'm gonna make the best of it I'm gonna be in control of it and that was a big emotional moment and I think being able to witness that was very special um it's definitely something I guess it was in the back of my mind and now you brought it back up and now that I'm thinking about it I mean that was I mean it was just very emotional but it was all good emotions like it, it made me feel like watching this that you were gonna be okay because you knew you know, that you could take on the hardest thing on your terms and you made it a positive thing. So that's how that was for me or my perspective, I guess. I was all about like wanting to have control over something. And I feel like (laughs) I had control over anything. (laughs) Yes. So I said, darn it. (laughs) If it's coming out, it's doing it on my terms. That's right. (laughs) We're going to make a day of it. We're going to go have lunch afterwards. That's right. I mean, not that it wasn't emotional. I definitely bawled my eyes out, and I didn't mm-hmm. want to do it either. And you, you mentioned about how, like, for you, how you think that it would be harder to lose your hair than your breasts. Mm-hmm, and definitely. I mean, that is spot on. Mm-hmm. And I know that that, sound, that might sound silly to somebody that hasn't been there or seen somebody go through it. Mm-hmm. But um, because, you know, you say you lose your breasts, that's permanent. You lose your hair. It's going to grow back. Mm-hmm. Like, why would that be harder? Right. But it is exactly what you said. It's yeah. because it's this outward sign of this is happening to me. You can't hide it. Right. It is there for yeah. everybody to know. So continuing on with your um, being a fantastic friend. And <laughs> yes. Being <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> and being, being supportive of me you wanted to come with me to one of my chemos you came with me to my last the final fourth chemo woohoo <laughs> last one 
Um, and I was very appreciative because my parents weren't able to come down that trip mm-hmm. either. So I was very blessed to have you you know, you've been an amazing friend and the fact that you were willing to go with me to that terrible, icky, yucky place <laughs> to have this nasty, icky thing done to right. me. But you were there and I could count on you. What do you remember about that day? Um, a lot of waiting, <laughs> hence the doctor's office, a lot of waiting. But, you know, it was your last one and I kind of remember it just being happy um, I know it wasn't a very happy place with everyone else there who is also there. You know, everyone's there for a reason that's not really a good reason. But I remember the staff was just excellent. They were great with everybody who was there. You were like a celebrity. Everyone, you know, you'd been there and you were. You could tell that your energy was very uplifting. And you kind of, per- I felt like you were able to portray that to other people who were still kind of in the, you know, in the trenches with it. They were still kind of fighting it and, you know, being around a positive energy when there was so much... Sadness. Well, I don't want to say negative, um, but yeah, sadness. Overwhelming intensity. It is. And I want to say with that, like, I don't know if I would have had the same memory if I had gone to the first one. Right. Um, But it being the last one, that's kind of was my takeaway. I felt like it was very much... um, even though it was a depressing environment, I felt like there was a lot to be learned from it. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot to look ahead to. And it's kind of like, you know, there's the glass could be half full or half empty. And it was kind of was nice to see it being full right. instead of empty in that situation. Well, we talked a lot about like through this whole journey about how we were going to make something good come from the shadows. Like mm-hmm. we were going to bring about goodness. We didn't know what or how, but we were going to make yeah. it happen. And you, being being my bestie here, heard a lot of that. Yeah. And you were just as kick-ass. You were ready to um, to, to make good come from this, too. And yeah. I remember, like, what we did, because there was a lot of waiting. Right, yes. I mean, you time. sit there, and you have... Even, like, when we get there, you have yeah. to wait for the drugs to drip. Mm-hmm. And it, can, it takes hours. Yeah. So you were working on lesson plans for your Girl Scout troop. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And... And the specific lesson plan that you were working, it was perfect time, you were working on something about their, um, in her honor badge, because mm-hmm. their founder, Juliet, Juliet Gordon-Low, right? Right, yeah. She, um, she actually had breast cancer she as did, well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you guys were talking about that in your troop, and you were going to do this whole lesson on it. Yeah. And do you remember mm-hmm. what you made, what the lesson was? They made a book, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so they all, man, you have a better memory than me, first of all. <laughs> It's because you wrote about this already. That's yeah. why. <laughs> it's because it's in my book. Right. No, I remember we wrote a book, um, and then we ended up giving it to someone who was going through breast cancer um, and treatment and things like that. But you probably remember better than me. Everyone the, made a page. Everybody made a page. Yeah. And the, the book was about, it was about courage. Right. Okay. And every kid had to express to them what courage meant to them. Right. And they wrote this whole thing. And these kids were, they're little. They, they are. Were, they were kindergartners. Yeah. Kindergarten they were, they're first little grade. kids. And so in their minds, like, what does courage mean? And, and they had an idea of why they were doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and then you had found somebody through United Way who mm-hmm. was going through a hard time as well. And then you were going to give that book to them. So this is what we did during right. chemo is we came up with how are we going to help make this nice and easier for somebody else and to impact that next generation with your right. your lesson. Yeah. And I thought that was very empowering and it, it gave me hope having that 
there too. Mm-hmm. And you also did a, a fundraiser because you're selling, you know, your your yeah. nails, mm-hmm. and um, and the proceeds that you earned through that fundraiser, you were donating to right. her. Yeah. So it all kind of came together at the perfect time. Like, mm-hmm. yes, we don't want to be there, and it stinks, but we were gonna make something right good come from that. It's a, and it's good to you know to have a distraction when you're having to wait I'm sure that absolutely (laughs) and when you can find a a distraction that really motivates you and speaks to your soul and like what you want and what you know you need to do in life like that makes it even more empowering we had really good timing with that we did (laughs) we did we're so smart Okay, so you did this fundraiser. We organized that when we were in the chemo room, this fundraiser for this girl who was going through a hard time. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, we did some other outreach programs as well. We, well, you helped me um, run the swimathon that we did with our neighborhood last summer. And the whole point of that was so that our kids could feel like they were empowered to make a difference in the world. Like even the smallest kid can move mountains because mm-hmm. it's just little things that you do add up. Yeah. So we organized and had this entire swimathon where there were different events, they and there was a floating contest and there was a lemonade stand and bake sale mm-hmm. and all this fun stuff. And the whole point of it was to raise funds so that those proceeds could go and help a local charity which would help other women who are going through a, a breast cancer diagnosis such as this. Right. What do you want our young girls to take away from that experience? Oh, man. That's a loaded question. Um, I guess what um, the biggest thing I would want them to take away from that experience would be that they're not too little to help. They definitely can make a difference. You know, just because they're small and they're young children doesn't mean that they can't set their mind to do something and actually be accomplished. Um, I think that is a very powerful message for them. I would never want them to think that they can't accomplish their dreams. And so if their dream or, you know, they need to see that it's important that they need to help out in the community and that not only it's just, you know, your kids doing it and my kids doing it because we were maybe more directly affected, but every people who didn't even know us or our kids or anything like that, or even knew you, still rallied together and I think there's something to be said about the community for that and I would hope that they would see that and see that example and so when they become you know outstanding grown-up citizens that they will be (laughs) that's right they um don't hesitate to help and try and make a difference it's a powerful lesson Mm -hmm. so you also helped me. You are a very did so good much. friend. You did. You did. Very good friend. You just dragged me along. <laughs> no, you were, you are an amazing friend. And another thing that you did for me, and I don't know if you even realize it, but you helped me learn to accept and love the scars that I had accrued. They didn't bother me as much as I know that they bother some people. Mm -hmm. But the fact that I see them in the mirror and I know that that's not me. That's not the person that I always knew. Mm -hmm. The person that I was is gone. And even though that that's different, even though I'm okay with my scars, because I know that it shows that I have survived something that tried to take me down, right? Mm -hmm. I made it. I'm fine. Yeah. But the fact that there's this sense of loss would still sadden me and you 
You were an amazing friend. I was getting ready to have a uh, photography session that my mm-hmm. husband had set up for me. And the whole point of him having done that for me was so that I would know that I was beautiful from within, both before this whole ordeal, during it, and on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so we were in the midst of going through treatment. I was bald. I had I had no hair on my head. I had scars across my breasts, which are not going away. <laughs> and I was feeling like the shell of the woman that I once was. And I've always been very modest anyway. I don't ever want to show anything. And you encouraged me to ground myself and to be authentic with who I was and to embrace that. And I I know that in, in part of that whole process, <laughs> I ended up showing my bestie my, scar, my scars. And I was, um, I was obviously you know, nervous and self-conscious because it's it's not what a normal person looks like. And I, the reason why I, I took a deep breath and I, and I showed my friends because I was asking you, do I brave showing this in those photographs? Mm-hmm. Or do I hide them away? Yeah. And do you, remember, do you remember? I don't remember exactly the wise words that I chose, but I do remember encouraging you to, that you should show it because I think... That they're beautiful. I think that it's something that makes you unique. I think it's not something that should be hidden or be ashamed of. And there's, you know, you you talked about our kids and the question before this. And I think that that could be an amazing lesson for them when they get older about being confident in who they are, no matter what type of flaw they have or what they think is a flaw, um, any imperfection. We all have scars. We all have a scar. Visible or invisible. It's just makes a different type of appearance. Right. And I think that being able to be confident enough to show them is a very powerful message. Because again, if I was in that situation, I don't know if I could have done it either. I don't know if I could have shown, you know, yeah. had pictures of done of them. But I think it's something that you won't regret. I think it's something that will just show your kids and I mean really honestly, I was thinking more about your kids in this, all of this. I was like, I don't care if anybody else sees these pictures other than I was like for them to see that you're confident in these with these scars and who you are I was like that's something that like I can't teach my kids that with my my physical appearance right now like you know what I mean that's something that's a lesson that is very very important and I think that's something that even this is something that I've been learning as well and it just helped shake it to the forefront of my mind when you encouraged me was that we may have scars, but we are not defined by them. Exactly. They're a part yeah. of who we are, but they are not our identity. Mm-hmm. And that is the message that I want my kids to know. Yeah. But um, you were you were a catalyst in me getting to that point and, yeah. and being able to embrace that and recognize that we all have things that we like and we all have things that we don't like. Mm-hmm. We all have been through something and we have either a physical or an invisible scar, you know, right. emotional, physical, whatever. Yeah. We all have some thing and recognizing that they are part of us mm-hmm. but they're not all of who we are either exactly they don't define who you are by any means so well and and you are an incredible friend because <laughs> because in that whole moment where I braved showing my bestie yeah you helped me get to where I could accept that of myself yeah. and and move forward with that recognition within my own being right and efforts yeah. to to hopefully instill that to my kids one day. So yeah. 
another another amazing thing that you did. Yeah. Okay, I have two more questions for you. First question is, what do you want future generations to know? So in other words, the women that find out tomorrow that they have breast cancer, what's something that you want them to know? I guess the thing I would want them to know um, going into this journey that they're about to embark on is to know that there is an end. There is a light at the end of the tunnel and you are still you on the inside. You might, you know, obviously you're going to be changed by a lot of things, but it's all about how you can use your perception to, you know, like I said earlier, kind of half empty, half full. If you just can have a positive attitude about it and know that you have a very good support system around you that you can get through it and that if times get hard, please ask for help because people want to help you and they don't know how. And you have to just tell people because they won't know. And that was a hard thing for me. Yes. I was never somebody that liked to ask for help and that was a yeah. big that was a big big one. You would I would just say that, you know, you you will get through it. You're gonna be better and stronger because of it. And don't be afraid to ask for help because that's all people want to do and right. they don't know how to. So That's right. You're not in it alone. Yes, definitely. Okay, and last question is as their bestie what what do you want the besties out there to know for so the the best friends that are listening out there the best friends to somebody that has cancer what do you want those besties to know i think there's two things the first thing would be to just be present don't be scared don't shy away you don't really have to do anything fancy just be there emotionally that's i feel like is going to be very helpful and then the other thing would be don't assume that somebody else will take care of your friend so for example you know when I set up the meal train and you know or the house cleaning don't assume somebody else is going to do it Um, you know everybody wants to help but no one knows how and there has to be somebody who just is the orchestrator and if there's you know and if you can do anything and you're not afraid to do that don't assume somebody else will do it and you're just going to wait for someone else to do it. Just do it. Give your friend peace of mind and, you know, you can handle it. Yeah, I think you did. Um, it was it was done for me, from my perspective. It was nice that it was just it was just done. I didn't even have to, I didn't even have to worry. Right. And I think with um, our other friend that is mm-hmm. that is going through it, um, you know, hinging off what you said there mm-hmm. is you said you had said, listen, I'm going to do this for you unless somebody's already signed up. Right. Nobody's else signed up. Okay, if nobody's doing it by this date, I'm doing it. Right. It's done. Yeah. And I didn't want to, you know, overstep my bounds or anything. And I know that's something that people can struggle with. And um, at the end of the day, though, someone has to do it. And you just just do it. That's really all I can say about just, it. just do, do it. Don't assume somebody else will because then time will be gone. They're right. going to be already in surgery, and you're going to be like, oh no, they need something they need- tomorrow. Right. And then. That's a physical way to be there, but then just to make sure you're present emotionally. Don't be, don't let your own emotions scare you away from your friend because that's not what they need. Right. Um, they need someone who can just be there and listen and hold your hand if you need to do that. You know, you when don't you're have getting to, your head shaved, right? <laughs> you don't have to say anything, but just be emotionally checked in to be a help. I think that would be the best thing to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I can say that that from my perspective, you 
you definitely went above and beyond and and I hope <laughs> I hope that there are people out there that are listening that can take some of the things that you have done and apply them to their own friends and help them in ways that um, that they need and they, right. they they might not necessarily know that they need them but right. like you said being emotionally present being there the the meal train the house cleaning any any mm-hmm. and everything that shows that you love them and that you have their back and that you're going to sit there with them through it no matter what yeah and that was that was definitely a big thing and i i truly appreciate that so well a lot of these things you mentioned like i remember them but as your friend i you know it's not something i really thought about like how can i I was just needed to be there and so that's why i think that's something for you know a friend of somebody going through this you know, you might not think you're, because I know I thought this, I'm not doing anything to help. How am I helping? You know, I wish I could do more, but really you don't have to do more. You just need to be there. And I think that's the most important thing. Well, and that's something that I talked about too earlier is that um, you can't take the cancer away. You Mm -hmm. can't make the situation disappear. Right. And and big lesson for me is letting go of what you can't control. You can't Mm -hmm. control that and focus on what you can. You can be physically and emotionally present right and um and you definitely were so well thank you so much for joining us here today i appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and we'll have to have you back oh yes this was fun (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you michelle so from a community and a friend's perspective it might be really hard to watch somebody that you know somebody that's close to you going through something very difficult But when you show your support, even in the smallest of ways, it can set ripples into motion that you may have never thought possible. Thank you for joining us again today. For more information, please visit our online breast cancer resource center at www.togetherweweather.org and check out some of those articles that we've written, especially the one about the top five things that loved ones can do to help. I'm looking forward to speaking with you all again soon. Until then, remember, together we weather this storm. You are never alone.